Another Way to Play, episode 57. This is Rock Thomas, author and host of the I Am podcast. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is someone I've really been excited to bring on for quite some time, someone that I'm now able to call a friend. It's Rock Thomas. And if you don't know who Rock is, you're in for a real treat. He's the world's number one whole life success expert, best-selling author, and host of the I Am Movement podcast. Starting out life as a farm boy to a real estate and business guru, mentor and self-made millionaire, Rock has studied one-on-one with some of the best teachers in the world, including Tony Robbins, Stephen Covey, and Gary Keller. He is on a mission to inspire others to create their best life on their terms. And after decades of learning from the greatest minds on the planet, working and coaching thousands of people with workshops and webinars, uh, Rock has impacted over 100 million lives with his teaching. His Goalcast video alone has been viewed over 100 million times. Using tools and strategies that are proven, Rock can teach people how to create financial freedom by leveraging the purpose and passion to live not just a life of success, but a fulfilled life. And all of that is exactly what we talk about in this episode. Um, So if you're someone who has an inner uh, self-critic that you can't seem to quell, if you've got big goals and aspirations, but just don't know how to bridge the gap to really start moving towards them. Rock has got some phenomenal answers for how to get through uh, into that next level that you're looking for. And real quick, before we get to the episode, if you got value out of this episode or any of the others that I put out, uh, please head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review. Really helps me grow, uh, helps me with the algorithms as well as gives me critical feedback so I can keep making the show better. And without any further ado, here is my interview with Rock Thomas. Rock, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really excited to have you on. Well, I'm jazzed to be here. I mean, I'm looking at you and you look like a, a younger version of what I hope I looked like. <laughs> well, based on the photos that I was seeing earlier, I think we had some similar characteristics on that world. So, well, speaking of, of younger version, like let's, let's back up. Let's talk about Young Rock and, and talk about really where your journey began. You know, I think that you can judge a person by their calendar. And if you look at somebody, how they have their calendar populated in the future, you can tell whether they're on a path for success or not. So when I look back on my calendar, I go, I did a lot of things that were difficult in my life growing up on a farm. Mm -hmm. And that forced me to become confident that I could figure things out. Mm -hmm. I think there's two kinds of confidence, the confidence you have when 
you're good at tying your shoes or you've done something so many times. And then there's a confidence when you've been in so many situations when you didn't know what to do, but you figured it out. I was once mm -hmm. in Asia, lost all my traveler's checks, called my dad and he said to me, you got yourself there, you'll get yourself home and hung up on me. <laughs> and I had 20 bucks in my pocket and within two days, I was a model and teaching Japanese people how to speak English. Wow. And that was the kind of resourcefulness that I was forced to find. Mm -hmm. And I got into so many situations like that, Hans, that I started to go, you know what? I don't care what the situation is. I don't care what the problem's going to be. I know I will figure it out. And I think that's a higher level of confidence than going, hey, I know how to sell real estate. I know right. how to you know, feed my children. I know how to cut the lawn. It doesn't matter. Put me in a situation where I have zero experience. I know how to model people that are successful. I know how to be massively curious. I know how to ask questions. I know how to pay attention. And I know how to figure it out. And I think that's a higher level of confidence. I've been blessed with having difficult things in my life. And now today I'm like, okay, let's go. That's amazing. I thank you for breaking that down in a, you mentioned growing up on the farm and people who know your story know that you did grow up on a farm and had, you know, farm related chores that it sounded like helped mold that confidence. What are some of the other things off the farm that maybe the average listener who didn't grow up on a farm uh, could relate to? Can you give us a couple of examples of how you molded yeah. that? Yeah, great question. Um, when I was 23, I came back from that trip in Asia, got a job at a restaurant. I, I, I had this really good work ethic and I show up early and stay late. And I learned that on the farm and go the extra mile and leave the place better than, than when you showed up and say yes to, to the extra jobs. My father taught me that he was used a little, he leveraged God. He would say, when you're out there doing the chores, I'm not always going to be watching you, but God is watching you and he reports back to me. So mm -hmm. I know what you're doing. Yeah. And I was young enough to not know that that wasn't really necessarily the case. So I developed an incredibly, really good work ethic. And I always did things really, really well, assuming my dad was watching. So every job I had, I got promotions. I rose up quickly. I kept on saying yes to things. And so I became partners with these people in the restaurant. And six months later, we bankrupted. Um, we didn't know what we were doing, but we were in the honeymoon phase at the time that I invested all of my mother's money. Mm -hmm. And so I got a job um, in another city in Quebec where I had to learn how to speak French, become a flight attendant. I bought my first property with $2,000 on my credit card with handicapped people in it and led to me getting into the senior citizen business. Wow. I bought a house. Uh, my mom took care of the, 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 the elderly with manicures and pedicures and um, my wife cooked the meals and I did all the maintenance around the properties. And at the age of 25 or 26, I owned a a eight room home that was generating, and this is back 30 years ago, 35 mm -hmm. years ago, it was generating $110,000 a year. So say wow, three or $400,000 today while I was a flight attendant and had another part-time job. And I had this and I was living in the basement paying no rent yep. and eating the same food that was tax deductible for this business. So I was really good at keeping my expenses low. Mm -hmm and generating multiple streams of income at a very young age. And by the time I was 28, I was virtually a millionaire. When my dad got cancer, 
I took two years off to take care of him. And that cascaded into really the, the story I talk about on Goalcast, goal which was, you know, this desire to, to, to have my dad tell me that he was proud of me. And yeah. it seemed like no matter what I did, the little voice inside of me said, you're not, you're not good enough. And you're not enough. And sadly, I've learned that almost everybody has that voice going all day long. They wake up, they, they didn't sleep enough. There's not enough time to make breakfast. They eat it on the run. They get to go to a drive-through. The coffee's not hot enough or they wanted a bigger cup and there's not enough gas in the car. And they have this scarcity mindset inner narrative that leads to unfulfilled lives. And life is so precious. So I've made it in my little world. My mission is to help people live a more fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. Get the tools and resources so that even if you're washing toilets, cleaning toilets, you do it with such pride and such standards that you actually leave that job fulfilled, creating a new opportunity for yourself. And then I teach people about passive income vehicles so they don't have to clean those toilets or whatever they're doing that they don't love forever. Right. And they can lead these epic lives. And that's been very, very fulfilling for me. That's thank you. Thank you for all of that because especially for the listeners who may have never heard of you, um, that gives an excellent, excellent uh, overview of your, your work and you know, your story. So I appreciate that and appreciate the vulnerability as well. I'm sort of struck by this uh, inner critic because it's something that I'm realizing is, is a part of my world. We all have those insecurities, that inner voice that tells us we can't, or as you would say, not enough, or can't do something, it won't work out, why try, why bother, et cetera, et cetera. When you encounter somebody for the first time and they are just riddled with, I am not blah, or I can't blah, um, how do you approach that person who's never heard of this other way of thinking, which is in the context of the sentence, like shifting a couple of words, right? But how do you get them to go, 180 degrees in the other direction and even consider that as an option? Yeah, well, that's a great question. As a coach, that's become my life. The book that I wrote in 2006 was called The Power of Your Identity, The Words That Follow I Am Follow You. Mm -hmm. So I will have a discussion around that and I'll tell them my pizza face story, which is uh, growing up, I had a lot of acne and my brother called me pizza face. And mm -hmm. he was shorter than me and he wanted to diminish me because he had a voice inside of him that was saying he was not enough. And sometimes what we do is we, we try to criticize other people and put them down so that we can feel good about ourselves in the moment. Yep. And he was very good at doing that. And I was really good at receiving his input and taking it on his mind. And so when I work with people, I say, we're all being programmed all the time. Your parents were big programmers, your brothers and sisters, maybe a priest or a teacher or a coach. Yet most of them are not professional programmers. They're amateurs. Right. They don't know right. what they're doing and they're downloading their crappy programming they got down to you. So you have a choice in life, which is to change the programming like I learned to do. And it's really through repetition that we change the inner narrative. Kids, by the time they're 14, they've been told no, something like, 25,000 times. And so they're, they're programmed to be disappointed or to expect to not get what they want. Mm -hmm. So we have to counteract that with gratitude and with practices of affirmations. So when I learned how to do that, I went and I, I found a role model, which I was taught to do. And instead of calling myself pizza face, I changed that inner narrative to ruggedly handsome. 
Mm. And Clint Eastwood was, was my idol. Yep. And I learned that through, um, through NLP and through, through, you know, neurology of our mind, it's simply through repetition. If you, if you were to wake up every day and say that, like I did later in my life, I'm the greatest real estate agent in Montreal. I'm the greatest real estate agent in Montreal. And you say it, and there's this harmony between your body, which is your unconscious mind and your mind. Mm -hmm. You start to believe it over time. You feel mm -hmm. the feelings of it. Then you become that. I am, I am, I am. Mm -hmm. The same way I said, I am pizza face. I am ugly. And it led to me not going to school. It led to me feeling left out. It led to me isolating myself. And that's the reason, by the way, that I didn't do modeling in, in, in Asia because I went out with models. We par I partied for months and then I lost my traveler's checks, called my dad, and I was forced to find a way to make money. And that's when they said, well, come model. And I go, yeah, but you guys know I got all this acne. And they go, dude, trust me, it's not that bad. I'm like, no, it's really bad. Trust me, it's really bad. But I was seeing it a hundred times. If you saw a picture of me, when I'm a modeling picture back when I was like 21, you would go, dude, you have no acne. Yeah. But my brother convinced me that it was terrible. Yep. And then I spent years convincing myself it was terrible. So to answer your question, you change the I am statements and you seek evidence to confirm the, your new identity. And that's the work that I do with people is you, you like, I grew up with a serious Dutch German father and yep. he did, he didn't laugh a lot. He was all about get the job done. It was this, that. And later in life, I found myself, people were like, dude, why are you so intense? Why are you so serious? So I changed an affirmation to, I am playful. Mm -hmm. And at first I'm like, no, you're not playful. You're, you're intense. You're serious. But the more I said it and the more I sought opportunities to be playful, the more I became playful. So we can all redefine ourselves. We can all become something that we're not yet. If we're willing to put in the time and effort to create that new inner narrative that starts to change the relationship with how we've been to how we want to become. And by the way, you've probably done it and other people have done it with by saying, you know, one day you were, you were not an Olympic athlete or you were not uh, a smoker and you became one or you were not, you didn't have a six pack and then you got one. You've changed many times, right? You just maybe didn't do it as consciously as you can if you want to be intentional. Does that make sense? It does. When you're going to change that inner narrative, because a lot of people would be like, you know, serious, serious versus playful, for example, you have this identity around you're being very serious. You're like, my father was serious. I'm serious. Mm -hmm. People are serious around me. Like, this is how it is. And then you all of a sudden try and change this inner dialogue of playful. And it's sort of like holding a candle up as versus, you know, a forest fire, if you want to use mm -hmm. that. And how do you fuel that flame of the candle when you've got this really intense, huge thing that you've fueled and built over years and years and years and years so that it, so that it lives and it doesn't just die, you know, within a week or a couple of days? This is the crucial point that you're asking me, I'm so glad you asked that, is it really comes down to, in my book, I talk about the nine ways that you can do it. Mm -hmm. And it just depends on how badly you want it. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I recorded my inner narrative, and I still do today, things that I want to move toward. Mm -hmm. And I listen to them on my phone. 
So I wake up mm -hmm. in the morning, I have a five minute, five minute and 40 second inner narrative. I'm a gladiator. I'm a great decision maker. I'm somebody that attracts wonderful talent. I've got a top rated podcast, the I am movement, the words that follow, I am follow, follow you. So you can do it through recording. You can read it. You can tell your loved ones around you what your new identity is. You can say, you know what? Like I tell my girlfriend all the time, I'm funny. And half the time she goes, well, no, you're not really that funny. But I go, <laughs> but just go along with me, you know? Laugh at some yeah. of the stuff I say. And, and then eventually now she's like, she'll come out and she'll go, you know what? You're really funny. So <laughs> get people around you to help you live into that identity. You read about it. You, you seek experiences that are going to make you more playful or funnier or more dynamic or a better decision maker. So mm -hmm. I call it, you nurture the new identity in as many ways as possible. And I have nine of them in the book. And it's just how badly do you want it? It comes down to repetition mm -hmm. and to creativity. So there, there, is, there is an element of... I don't want to say forcing it necessarily, but the repetition, just like in the gym or anywhere else, like you have to do some reps and it's going to hurt. It's going to be really uncomfortable. Uh, you're probably not going to be very good at it, but continuing to show up and take the reps and do the thing is really the solution you're describing. It really is. I'm going to give you a specific example by asking you a question. Have you okay. ever been in your house and had the electricity go off for a few hours? Yes. And have you ever found yourself, you walk into the next room, you know the electricity's off, but you hit the light switch anyway. Yep. And Definitely. you're like, oh, why did I do that? Yep. Because you've done it so many times, you've conditioned yourself unconsciously. And I know you know this, but it's a really real example for every human because, okay, you could say Steph Curry does, you know, 500 shots into the basket every day and he conditions himself, even if he doesn't feel like it, et cetera. And somebody's like, yeah, okay, well, I can't relate to that. But we can all relate to that example. Mm -hmm. So all you're doing, your unconscious mind is a voluntary slave for you. Mm -hmm. And the most successful people have just conditioned it better than the other person. And it's that simple. So when you're talking about this conditioning, because I, I do a, uh, a morning journaling uh, with gratitude and an affirmation that I literally write out every single day, I fill up a piece of paper on it awesome. every morning. I have found there are moments when I'm doing that exercise and I'm in, I'm just in it. Like I'm really thinking through that version of myself that I want to become. And then there are those moments when I'm like, yeah, right. This is a bunch of BS. Yeah. You know? And, and do you do yourself harm if you're in the mindset of this is a bunch of BS, even while you're doing the repetition, or do you just forge on anyways? And you ask great questions. I love it. So here's what I've learned is initially I tried to force it. Mm -hmm. And then I learned that your body's like an antenna and you really want to be in harmony with what you're say saying and feeling it. Mm -hmm. So if let's say example, you woke up and you went, you know, um, I'm in the best shape of my life and you're 30 pounds overweight. You know, mm -hmm. you go, bullshit, that's not true. Um, yep. Or you go, I'm a millionaire and you're broke. Right. So what you do is you, you soften it a little bit and you say, every day I'm making better decisions to have my optimal body. Mm -hmm. Every day I wake up and I feel more and more like, like I'm making the decisions of a millionaire. I'm attracting opportunities. I love managing my money. 
So you've got to break it down so that you can sell it to yourself. Like you don't have to walk and climb Mount Everest in one leap. You can take the next step. So yep. take the 1% step to move toward that image you want to have for yourself and get there. I call it the 1% rule, mm -hmm. right? I'm learning right now how to swim 2.4 miles mm -hmm. and I'm up to one mile in a row. Well, you know what? I started just doing a quarter of a mile mm -hmm. and then I started working on just kicking. Then I started focusing on my breathing. Then I broke it down to breathing on the right side, the left side. But through that process, I now start saying to myself, I am an iron qualified swimmer. Now my mm -hmm. brain goes, well, no, you're not. But I go, okay, but I'm getting better. I'm closer. I'm loving this. I improved a little bit yesterday. I beat my best yep. time. So does that make sense? It's like you just kind of inch your way into it. And don't, don't get stuck up in, the, in, the, in the, the whole process. Just pretend, talk to the eight-year-old child in you. I talk love that you- Eight-year-old child. I love that you, you just said, uh, gave us a practical example of how to break that down because I think a lot of people say, I want to be a millionaire or be, you know, 30 pounds less or whatever, but like that's the Everest size goal and the huge leap that's not going to necessarily happen tomorrow. But what we're talking about is taking the small steps that get you to where you need to be and, and then doing those on a daily basis. That's fantastic. I, I, I really teach a lot about this, uh, Hans, is, is have a plan for progress. Why? Because you can get a little bit better in anything if you mm -hmm. choose to, right? You could, yep. you could smile. You could say, tomorrow I'm going to smile more at maybe to three people. And if you did that for the next 30 days and you made it one person more every day, you could have a, a better, jovial, more playful personality. And that's doable, right? Yep. And then when you journal, which people should journal every day, you write down, oh my God, I smiled at five people today. And it was really easy and fun and I felt good. And then tomorrow, what do you wanna do? You wanna do it again. And when you're on the plan for progress, life feels better. Yes. And when life feels better, you're gonna take more action. And when you take more action, it becomes momentous. So the one thing I do when I work with people is I. I say, let's talk about your plan for progress. I don't care what part of your life, it doesn't matter. But have a part of your life that you have a plan that tomorrow you're gonna do something and get 1% better. That's, that's a, a really powerful thing. And I think if people wanna just digest that for a minute, rewind it and re-listen to the last handful of minutes because there's so much power in what you just said both on a practical level and just sort of a confidence building level. So thank you, Rock. I appreciate all that. Yeah, man. When, when you thought about this podcast, cause this is kind of your new, your newest thing, as far as I can see this podcast, the I am movement. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that? What inspired you to start it? Um, what we can find when we go subscribe and listen to it and just generally where you're going with it? Yeah, I mean, um, it came out a few months ago. It immediately shot up to a top-rated podcast, of which I was very grateful for. I was very fortunate. I had some great guests. I had Marion mm -hmm. Williams, who's, who's running for president. I had um, um, Robert Herjavec from Shark Tank and Simon Sinek. I mean, I had some really, really great people because I run these mastermind groups and I have access to some really successful people. So it's been a lot of fun. The gist of it is this, is all of us have labels 
offered to us by people around us, some of us that love us very much, like you're shy, you're never amount to much, you're silly, you're goofy, you're, you're a dork, whatever. Many of them, the majority of them that we hang on to are negative because of the mm -hmm. programming of the brain. We shuffle negative things to the top in an order, in a way to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if you have 30 cups of coffee every day at Starbucks, and everyone is good and you enjoy it. And then the next day you spill it all over yourself when you pick it up for the next year or two, or maybe the rest of your life, you're going to pay more attention to not doing what you did that spilled the coffee on you out of a need to survive. Mm -hmm. The brain helps you. It shuffles yep. that experience to the top and it holds it there so that you don't kill yourself. So we have to intentionally find ways to change the labels because you might label yourself as clumsy. And if somebody else was like, oh my God, you are so clumsy, you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. You might burn that identity into your brain and start repeating, oh my God, I gotta be careful, I'm, not, I'm a clumsy idiot. And if, God forbid, anybody else saw it and repeated it, it now you might take it on. So for me, I'm, I'm looking at finding ways to help people to change the labels and that's what this is about. So when I interview people, I say, you know, to Robert Herjavec, what was a label you had when you were younger that you overcame and changed? And how did you do it? And guess what? The formula doesn't change, Hans. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's intensity. It's repetition. It's aligning the body with mind. It's looking for a higher version of ourselves and leaning into it. It's doing the work. It's wanting to be the best version of ourselves. And then people have access to the tools and the ways that they, people did it. And as you and I talked before the show, it's through the stories that people go, oh my God, if Robert Herjavec could come from Eastern Europe with 500 bucks in his pocket and now be on Shark Tank and be worth 300 million, maybe I need to get off my ass and start taking some action and maybe I could at least become a millionaire. And yeah. that's the part, that's the reason I have the podcast is the labels are what are holding people back the inner narrative or the story they tell themselves right absolutely what's not possible and you've heard this before so many people they are selling you on their limitations they go oh my god I, I i'd love to but i just don't have time rock yep that's great but when the kids grow up then i'm gonna xyz you will almost never hear me say say i don't have time i'll say i don't choose to do that yep my calendar's full i'm jazzed about this I'm on fire about that. That doesn't fit into my value system. But why would I say I don't have time? We all have 24 hours in the day. It's actually a bullshit statement that's totally Agreed. useless and causes you to be unresourceful. Mm -hmm. And that's not who I am. I am a freaking resourceful person. So why would I give myself language that makes me less than I could possibly be? Does that make sense? It does. It does. That's powerful. Thank you. We're getting to the end of the time. Uh, I have one question before we get to the final section of the show, and that's around finances, money specifically. I think there are a lot of people who think that or have programming around money that makes them think that it's bad. You have to do bad things or be screwing someone over in order to be rich and have a million dollars or whatever, right? Yet, you know, I listen to your content, I listen to a lot of other people's content, and generally speaking, the people who are wealthy or helping others become wealthy are also really amazing top quality human beings. Like how do you talk about, you know, money and passive income and 
uh, and just investments in general um, in a way that, you know, fights that narrative, uh, for lack of a better term? Yeah, another stellar question, Hans. You know, I was just reading that Apple got fined $500 million mm-hmm. for slowing down the older phones, forcing people to want to upgrade their phones. Yep. There's a lot of evidence out there to support the fact that big companies and powerful people take advantage of other people, substantiating that you have to screw people to get rich. So there's evidence out there. So you have to actually seek the evidence and the belief that you can operate ethically and in integrity and have high standards. And you can still fight those people out there that are, we'll say are, are not in their integrity or fighting with the same set of rules. So I, I talk about that. I look for examples and then I believe in my heart of hearts, it's possible and that, the good guy can't win. But I, I will tell you, in some cases, it's a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. And I have noticed that the millennials, and I hate to pick on them sometimes, but some of them are so hungry to succeed and through social media, it, it's made to look easy. Yep. I watch them have trouble with their integrity. They think, oh, you know what? If I could just do this or just do that and get ahead, then I'll get in my integrity. So yep. they kind of want to break through by cheating a little bit and cutting corners. But what I've noticed when I straighten them out or I give them a new perspective, they're like, okay, you know what? That's right. That's, that's not going to serve me long-term. So I don't know if I answered the question, but I will say this is that I believe that life is about becoming the best version of yourself and evolving as a spiritual human being. And so I do my best um, to live within the rules that would would make that happen. And I have mentors like Tony Robbins, who I've been a trainer for him for 20 years, and Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra, and I've gone to India on meditation retreats, and I practice yoga almost every day. It's my 51st day in a row. Um, It's a practice I do. So I think you have to find out who you are, what's important to you. And yeah, would I like to be worth 10 times what I'm worth um, and do it quickly? I wouldn't mind that, but I really focus on my plan for progress and getting better every day and adding value to people's lives. So the money conversation is an important one and there's two parts to it, passive income and active income. And I get heavily involved in the passive income because that's when you get your time freedom. You get to, if if you're good, like I'm really good at real estate. I don't necessarily love it, but I'm really good at it and it gives me the freedom to do what I want. So maybe mm-hmm. you need to go down that path for a while and take responsibility and, and go hard for three or four years and make a ton of money or learn how to do Airbnb. My mom's 83 years old and she Airbnbs a room in her house for $62.50 a night and she bought herself a, a secondhand Honda Civic. Uh, <laughs> She's fired up. She's yeah. fired up. She's entrepreneurial. So there's always a way when you're committed and creative is my belief. Mm-hmm. Get around people that are doing it. I have 35 streams of income. I'm sure that you could add one or two. I'm speaking to people that are listening, one or two to your life and, and create more freedom for yourself. Yeah. I, I thank you for that distinction. That's, you know, the freedom, buying freedom, using passive income, and then using examples in the world, going and finding the appropriate examples in the world to, to prove to yourself that not all rich people are jerks is fantastic advice because it's out there. I can assure you of that. 
thank you for your time. I'm going to transition us into the focus five, which is the same five questions I get, ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? I'm ready. First question, maybe other than your own, what book have you gifted most often? Depends at this phase of my life. I remember giving away um, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus many years ago when I first read it. The Way of the Superior Man was one that um, masculine feminine energy that I gave away probably a lot 15 years ago. I would say most recently has been um, The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer, who wrote The Untethered Soul. It's a lot about letting go and, you know, not being in such resistance, not trying to, you know, control so many things. Still working on that one, but um, that's a really, really great one. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Elon Musk. The guy impresses the crap out of me. I just bought a Tesla. It's an absolutely amazing machine. I'm not a car person. But I am now. I'm like, oh my God, this is like crazy great. This is just like, it's like flying, flying a spaceship. And yeah. this guy is beyond genius to me. And I would love to find out, you know, he's rocket ships, he's got solar divisions, he's got cars, he's, you know, I, I bought the car, then I bought the stock and the stock's up 25% since I bought it. I paid for a quarter of my car just because I became a fan. And I'm like- yep. And he pays himself like a dollar or nothing because he's waiting for the multiple of the company to go up. I think the stock needs to go to like 5,000, say 800. If a guy believes in his heart that he'll make like, he'll probably get paid a hundred billion dollars when it gets there, but he's paid nothing until mm -hmm. it gets there. I have a funny feeling I need to own some of that stock. So I just, I, he's the guy. That's awesome. What is one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you on? Taking full responsibility for their life. Most people play the victim. They really don't understand that we co-create everything. Well said. You talked about yoga earlier. Tell us about your morning routine. How do you start your day? Get up at 4.49 in the morning, most mornings when I'm at home. Um, have a few minutes to just putter around bathroom, this, that, get myself prepared. I have all the stuff in the car before the night before, um, head out, go to my yoga class. It's a hot yoga class. It starts at five 30. I get there around five 15, five 20. I have 10 minutes to kind of meditate and get ready, do the class and head home. And then I usually have about 15 minutes where I might um, read or journal or do something that kind of collects everything together, breakfast, and then I'm off to the golf course or do a couple hours of work, um, maybe head to the gym. I exercise about four hours a day. And uh, so it, it's, it's a big part of my life. So the morning is usually that. Mm -hmm. And on the days when I'm working, it'll be three or four hours of podcast or on Zoom calls with clients or with my mastermind group or answering emails and, and, and that sort of thing, talking to my team. And then the afternoons are usually playtime. Excellent. Rock, uh, thank you so much for your time. What is the best place that we can connect with you online? So my podcast, the I Am Movement podcast or at rockthomas.com forward slash podcast. And of course, on all social media, Rock Thomas. Um, they can go to my website, rockthomas.com and get my free book, The Power of Your Identity, and start shifting some of the labels. 
and get, get on that. And um, just passionate about helping people get out of the rat race, lead their best life, and feel like each day is meaningful and purposeful. And they're not waiting till the one day when this happens that they can actually start to enjoy their life. Thank you, Rock. Appreciate your time. Appreciate all the value you've brought. And uh, thank you for being a guest on the show. My pleasure. And that does it for today, guys. If you want to connect with Rock down in the show notes, is the place to do that. I've got his website and his social handles, as well as the link to his podcast, which you all should go definitely check out. He's got some great guests on there and some great, great conversation. And if you want to connect with me, uh, my calendarly link is the best place to do that. That's down in the show notes as well. You can hop on my calendar. We can get a one-on-one phone call going, just get to know each other. And I'd love to learn how to keep providing more value to you as a listener. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to sign it off for today. So this is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.